thanks for checking out Covenant's podcast. Our prayer is that God uses this message to impact your life. Covenant. Uh, good morning, Covenant. All right, good morning. It's good to see all of you. We love you deeply. We're glad that you're here. And for those who are online or watching later at a different time, thank you for taking the time to be with us. It's an honor to be here. We are in the second week of a series that we are calling Renew. And Renew has to do with making new things, old things new, and uh, rejuvenating them and giving them new life and energy. So we're going to start today, jump right in by reading together our vision statement. And we read this together last week. Uh, We're going to read it again together today. And then I'm going to remind us of two of our values that we talked about last week. And we're going to move pretty quickly towards a a story in Scripture in which Jesus embodies all of the values of covenant. Or I should say, even better, covenant discovered some values of Jesus. That's really what's going on here. Why don't we read this together as one voice? Are you ready for that? Four of you back there. Okay, so everyone ready for that? Good, let's do this together, building a community to reach a community. We are building a countercultural, Christ-defined community that intentionally prioritizes reaching our geographically defined community. Through the sheer grace of Christ, we are part of a community on its way to heaven, reaching a community that left to itself is on its way to hell. Okay, so this is our vision statement. And words matter, so we're going to dive a little bit deeper than just reading a paragraph together. We have five words that have been selected at Covenant as our values. And words are a funny thing because words are meant to symbolize something. They're meant to symbolize story and relationship, not just to be academic exercises. And preachers uh, love word studies. If you've ever been to a sermon or maybe to a Bible class or a small group of some kind, you've probably heard somebody go on and on about what a word means in some language. Yeah, yeah, not, we would never do that to you. I even, to confess, was sitting here today listening to the worship music and saw a beautiful word. It said, one of the lines in the song said that uh, the glory of God is heavy enough to break our chains. And I just, I, I kind of sat up in my seat a little. I thought, this is great. Uh, because the Hebrew word for glory means heaviness or weight. And I thought, what a great lyric in the sign. See, we words, we like words. But words outside of a story can quickly just become an academic exercise. They're lost, and so we want to embed them in something. So we've got two words that we talked about last week, and then we're going to put them in a story. Okay, the words are missional and relevant. Look at these again, missional and relevant. To us at Covenant, they, they mean this. Here's the word study part. The world is not commanded to come to church We are to be Christ's ambassadors where we live, work, and play. That's missional. And relevant is, with grace and love, we point people to God's word, giving straight answers to life's most pressing questions. Now, if we were going to take these values, these words, and embed them in a story, there's many ways we could do that at Covenant, because these are being lived out. But I thought maybe we would share one today. Uh, We as Christians together have many acts of worship. We come with song, we come with scripture, we come with prayer, we come with uh, our gifts, financial and time. And by the way, those gifts that we bring, those resources to the offering, really do something to transform people's lives in the world. And so those of you who are participating in that are blessed for being part of stories that are changing. Whether you're giving online or whether you're giving when you leave the building in the boxes that we have or, or one of the other means, 
it is actually making its way to people whose lives are being impacted. And we saw that just this last week on Wednesday night by the backpack ministry that we had together here. This is the 10th year that these backpacks for school children have been packed at Covenant. And that's a wonderful legacy. I've been here for nine months. So this is my first backpack night. Wow, what an eye-opening moment. Somebody said to me this week, it seems like you've been at Covenant for two years. I said, no, that's that's just people's experience around me, right? That's just pandemic time speaking. Nine months of my first backpack night, and there was 200 of us together in that room, and somewhere, we don't know the exact backpack, but somewhere in that night, the 10,000th backpack of this ministry was packed that night. Isn't that cool? Do you want to celebrate that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are stories that go, you know, way before my time here or my imagination here, and they will impact lives of, of school children who, some of whom, are going to become believers in Jesus Christ, maybe already are, and their lives are going to be impacted generations down. People will be still hearing the name of Jesus through those relationships. There's going to be eternal differences from that. What a great example, and we could pick from many. But today, we want to turn our attention to a story in Scripture, and uh, Rob is going to take us there to Jesus in Mark chapter 2, and we'll pick up three new values today. Uh, long-time values for Covenant, but new for the sermon series. Yep. Take so we just want to ground uh, ourselves in God's Word this morning and invite you to stand as we read from Mark chapter 2. Again, each and every one of these stories where Jesus is having an encounter with people, he's being Jesus. And Jesus embodies particular characteristics and qualities that we are also called to embody in our lives as we live out the gospel. So for Mark Chapter two, the reading of God's word. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him, uh, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Next slide. Here you go, verse six. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? And so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. You may be seated. So just a little uh, context here. Uh, Just before this, although actually maybe not just before, Mark is a little less precise in his timeline of things, but... But uh, for the people in Capernaum who had returned to, it tells us in chapter one that, that Jesus had been forming miracles. In fact, that he, he cast out uh, a demonic spirit, a man who was afflicted, and, 
It tells that even, even Jesus, at the name of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the word of Jesus, that the demons themselves fled, that they were fearful. And so here in chapter two, Jesus was entering Capernaum again, uh, but because of his reputation, because of the gaining of fame, even in that area, uh, as soon as word spread that Jesus was in the house, you get it, he's in the house, then the crowds came and gathered uh, to see Jesus and, and to experience perhaps for themselves those same miracles. Uh, this uh, passage again, is, as Josh shared, uh, we see Jesus being Jesus and these values that we're gonna talk about, uh, started last week, finished today, embodied within, within him. And uh, so let's take them in order. This is actually our third value, but it's the word accessible. Accessible, and that is to strive to remove every difficulty or excuse that might keep people from knowing and serving Jesus. And, and I think it's really quick and easy for us to see that there was a barrier, that there would be some natural excuses that might keep, in particular, this man who was paralyzed. We don't know how or why, but he was, but to keep him from Jesus. And, and we pick this up in particular, what happens here in verse four, um, they, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, also because of his, his state on the mat. And so what they did, they, they dug a hole. Literally, they, they, they went up on the roof. Um, I thought we should really enact that maybe uh, today. Uh, you know, I don't remember when that was. Back in the 80s, like pastors would do like, like dramatic entrances. And I, I was hoping like, yeah, I would, I, no. You're going to renew that tradition? I wanted to renew that tradition, bring that back, bring the 80s back. They were such a good decade. Um, but uh, we didn't. But imagine what these men did. I mean, sometimes when we come to scripture stories, it's like we just kind of read it and it's so familiar. And yeah, okay, so they lowered him. I'm like, no, this is like, this is massive. There was a barrier, there was an obstacle, right? And, and, and we learned that uh, the state of that man, that's a barrier, that's an obstacle to him coming. But the crowds, were a barrier, and obstacle. It, it was so crowded that uh, you know they had to turn their cars around. Most people just turned them around and, and left. Uh, they couldn't get in the door. There was no room, no seats that was up front and close to Jesus. So the crowd, the blocked door, all these kinds of barriers that we see in this story. But there's other barriers, right? Josh, what are some of the, I mean, just looking at the story and then thinking about barriers, what yeah, comes to mind? Yeah, so <clears throat> as we think about the story itself, we can take a few of the barriers there and kind of think of them as symbols. You know, the crowd, first of all, is a really interesting barrier. They, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. You know, we think of this story as they go through the roof, but the problem is, is they couldn't get past the success of Jesus' ministry. Hmm. That there are so many people that want to hear Jesus that it's like there's some people kind of in the back going, hey, you know, we're here at church too. We'd love to have a question, have a conversation. We'd like to discover some ministry or whatever. And just because of sheer success, at least on that superficial level of numbers, they can't get through. Yeah. Now, as we go through the story, we'll see what Jesus considers true success. But there, there, yeah. there's a barrier. Um, we might think of the roof in the story and remember that buildings in real life, real time, church buildings, are sometimes barriers to ministry. Uh, solved that here in a big way over the last mm -hmm. few years you guys mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. So much so that now we've got lots of room to fill and COVID becomes its own kind of barrier. Yeah. Uh, solve some of that, some of that, not all of it, through maybe Zoom or whatever. But there's always this uh, interaction of things that will get in the way of ministry, of relationship, of connection, and God giving us opportunities through faith to do something about it. So we want to bring some of that forward yeah. into our time. 
So we see some of the, like, like you said, real obvious kind of barriers, physical barriers. Um, I mean, I like the idea, like, hey, you might be too successful. It's like, you know, you showed up on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and now the problem is you've got, you know, lines that are 45 minutes, and, and I go to a really popular restaurant, right, that just opened. I'm like, I'm not on your wait list for an hour. I'm too hungry to wait that long. Um, you know, but so that's kind of going on in this case. His popularity started to gain such traction that it was difficult for ordinary people or needy people even to come up front. And part of that's because maybe, maybe people were too preoccupied with their own needs to think about the need of someone else, right? Um, maybe even these friends could have found themselves to be uh, too busy or too preoccupied or to think about their own needs and say, you know what, here's Jesus performing miracles. I need some miracles. Um, but somehow they, 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 they were like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to think just of myself. And we'll talk about this under friendship. But it could have been fear. Indecision can be a barrier or doubts or um, our own selfish desires, all those things. But, but they're kind of going, hey, no. Like whatever that barrier is, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break down a door or literally I'm going to tear open the roof, right? So church barriers, what things come to mind, difficulties or excuses that keep people from you know, seeing and hearing Jesus and, and serving Jesus. What are some of those things that come to mind and how do we deal with them here at Calvary? Well, I just wonder if anybody here has ever been new at church or if it's been so long that maybe you forgot what it feels like to be new at mm. church. But even if you visit a church, you yeah. know, that sometimes you can walk into a church and you don't know what any of the language means. Uh, if you've ever run into anything like that, you know what it feels like to be uncomfortable because there's names of ministries or programs or like a whole hallway or a whole wing is called something. And because it is one of the greatest uh, verbal sins known to man, an acronym, <laughs> you don't know what it even stands for, you know. You get and, a glossary when you come in. This is, yeah, they hand you a page yeah, to, this to interpret this the church building as you move through yeah. the hallways. Yeah. We definitely have that insider, we can develop insider that kind of language. insider language, insider right? Language, yeah. uh, that we might understand. And Christians have some of that kind of jargon that we use. And I'm not even sure we always understand it, but we toss it around and, and we use it because it makes us feel like, hey, we, we know something. But for that person maybe walking in without that background, without, without that kind of uh, uh, understanding and experience, sometimes they're just going, I'm just looking for the bathroom. Uh, and even that is inaccessible based on the way we've laid out the, the building. But I, I was uh, sure with you this week we were just talking about, you know, other churches, not covenant, um, you know, places where, where they use acronyms and, and names. But I, I was uh, at, a, at a church and um, I remember seeing the list of ministries and one of them was the elderberries. Jesus is our jam. Yeah. yeah. I, told I just you, made I, that up this morning. Yeah, if I would have had like that as a tagline, maybe it would have stuck around longer. So I'm, I'm glad we didn't. But it was like in Dorcas Circle, and man, I could go on this list of things, and, and uh, you know, I'm going, okay, you've got an explanation of that, but for the person coming in, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about, and, and based on the way you've named that, I don't know that I want to be a part of that, right? That's just weird. Um, you know, so sometimes the language we use, the way, the nomenclature, and, and uh, the layout and size of space that we may, again, see it only through our own eyes, and not see some of those barriers or roadblocks that come up. The songs that we, we sing, guys, so, uh, like, you know, we go through the, the creative uh, arts team goes through the process of looking at the, uh, the foundation of, of uh, those songs, their doctrine and, and purity and theology, but also they ask really simple questions like, is it singable? Like, can we actually sing it? And, uh, and can we feel it and, and, and grasp both the depth, but really depth it with the kind of simplicity that 
anyone comes in like, man, and, and be moved by that and enter into that. Those kinds of, of decisions that we wrestle with uh, to go that, hey, we're, we're not trying to be anything but intentional and anything short of sin like we're willing to do in order to remove some of those barriers and obstacles, in particular for someone on the outside to come on the inside and sit at the feet of Jesus. And um, man, that, that comes up in, in the way we do our programming, right? The times and, and uh, opportunities and variety of that. Some Locations, things that come to mind. group size, you know, so you guys know that I love to talk about small groups, and so I'm gonna talk about that for just a minute. One of the reasons that those exist in church is to create some flexibility in ministry. Mm-hmm. So that you can get people who actually have enough relational capacity to know each other's questions and concerns and the barriers to faith that you can break down some of those walls. You can have real conversations with eight to 12 people you can't have in a room of 100, 200, 400. And so, you know, in ministry, one of the challenges, and and this is for all of us, like this isn't just for pastors, this is all of us as we, we push ministry like through the whole church, is that we think about, you know, what would be a simple add or a simple subtraction that would just make ministry accessible to people? Uh, what's an easy win? Like, could you offer childcare at this time so that multiple groups could come together? Or, you know, we don't have any men's things on any evenings at all. Could you put an evening one? Or whatever it might mm-hmm. be so that you say, hey, we've got multiple options that we can give to people so that you can give them some choice in it. Right. Frankly. Yeah. We really want to be able to give that when someone says, hey, I'm interested in and, and do the best we can to make those kind of links and connections. Now, it doesn't mean we accommodate and can accommodate everything um, but we want to make it easy and accessible, so we, we've just redone our website, creating you know, some brochures. We're using some language in that that isn't insider language, and that doesn't require 10 steps to get there, and ultimately, as quickly as possible, leads to a conversation that I might have uh, with a person. Um, but to do that with intention um, is, is what was going on in this story. Like, they were very intentional going, like, like I'm going to have to carry this, this dude, my friend, who cannot by himself get up uh, through this door, and I'm not going to allow that to be the barrier. I'm going to take him to the roof. And, 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 and man, that's, that's friendship. It's surprising when it's easier to get to Jesus through a roof than through people. But that's, mm. a, that's a real experience for many, yeah. is, that, is that sometimes um, a lack of care. So you're saying sometimes people are the barrier. Yeah, sometimes they're yeah. the barrier to Jesus. Yeah, sometimes people themselves and So like the our barrier. prayer as a church, what we think about, what we want to be thinking about, praying about, is what would help people learn, connect, grow, you know, get to church, yes, yep. get to groups, yes, but ultimately it's get them to the feet of Jesus like this man. And that really does move into the, this, this uh, what is our fourth value, and that is relational um, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, things that are practical with our programs, our facility, our language, our communication, you know, a special needs program for children that continues to be developed. Uh, in our first service, we have something for hearing impaired. We're, we're developing those things that remove some of those barriers. Um, but really, ultimately, it comes down to wanting a, a, a personal incarnational connection that Jesus wants with us. And so we have relational that we want to be a, a place and a people where people know and are known. The mutuality of that, right? Um, that what we have received, we want to give away. So all the one another's of scripture and, uh, and to care for one another, uh, to love one another, to extend grace, uh, to pray for. There's a mutuality of that. It does require a give and a take, but we want to make sure we're doing our part. It's just like if I did this, oh. yeah. Uh, we did that actually last service, and that was the same response. And he's still 
I'm wondering if he should yeah, shake my you know, hand. It's just, yeah, is that yeah, that yeah. that hard? Again, no, see, that's why. That's why, that's yeah, why yeah, I don't, shake I don't that trust off. it. Yeah. Uh, but there is a piece of that, like we at least need to do our part with someone to reach out and, and to and extend that that uh, that hand of friendship. Um, you know, to think about the needs of others. Jesus in Philippians 2, great example, he said, man, I, I, here I came to, uh, uh, to give my life humbly, even as a, a, a servant, a sacrifice for others. That, um, and he's saying, take on the same attitude as that of Jesus, who put the interests of others before my own. And these four guys, like they put the need of the paralytic before their own needs. They, they were like, man, I, I, I'm gonna do whatever it takes um, and even though I'd like to maybe, I'd like to set up front. I'd like to hear about Jesus. And I have some needs that I like met and, and some miracles to perform. But instead, they, they had eyes for someone else. And, um, and so they, they were really, man, they were exceptional friends, willing to be creative yeah, they and innovative. Are carrying and, him, so they've got sweat equity in it. We don't know what they gave up that day. You know, yeah. whether they had time at home that they would have had with family, whether it's a day in the fields, did it cost them income? We know these, most people are day-to-day -day laborers. You know, there's probably some very real costs to them associated with taking this step to care for a friend. And one of those costs might have even been the friend might be saying no. Yeah. We don't know if he was like, yeah, 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 I really want you to carry me on the roof in front of full view of the whole community where everybody can see, like, there goes the paralyzed guy. You yeah, know? yeah. Or whether he's like, guys, you know, please don't. And they've got to spend time and have that conversation. But whatever their costs are, they were willing to go the whole way to the feet of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, threat of lawsuit. They're digging through a guy's yeah, roof. Right. You know, and, and right. We, don't, we don't know for sure, but that could have been actually Jesus' house. There's right. some speculation it right. could have been. Like, hey, a skylight, I, 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 you know, I didn't call for that. Right. That wasn't in the contract. Uh, but there, there's a part, that's verse three, we see four men arrive carrying these four friends, exceptional friends, and in verse five, it's like seeing their faith. Seeing their faith, and that's the faith of these four, but it's also the faith of, of the, the guy who was paralyzed. There had to be some degree of faith and trust that uh, these guys weren't gonna drop him, um, embarrass him, and uh, that they were, they had his best interests. He has to be the first one through the roof. The first Everybody's one down. watching. Yeah. And you think, you know, you slow the story down and you think a little bit about what this is actually like is people don't just, you know, pop through the roof. There's first some dust. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus is teaching. Jesus is in the middle of delivering some teaching and there's some dust falling down in front of him. And then there's some chunks falling down. Everybody at this point has stopped. Everybody is silent. Everybody, including Jesus, we assume, is watching the ceiling. Then the final pieces fall. Then comes this man. Don't drop me. He's still, you know, because <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't lower him fat. Here he comes. <laughs> yeah. And finally, Jesus seeing their faith. And so this takes some time, too, which is always true in relationships. This isn't just like you flip a light switch and people are with Jesus. It's, it's like, I mean, salvation can happen that fast, but the life and faith and growth of discipleship takes time, and it means listening. So if we care about people, we want to show relationship, then we care about what they need to talk about. We care about the conversations they want to have. And sometimes that leads us actually into some pretty tricky territory because people might want to talk about things we weren't comfortable talking about or we didn't feel fully prepared. I just wonder about this faith piece, Josh, of like, because we understand that, that faith isn't, you know, microwave, that, it, uh, that discipleship and, and coming and following Jesus, serving Jesus doesn't happen overnight. But again, there's a faith dynamic to that, right? There's a faith piece that goes, I'm going to trust. I'm going to entrust. 
And these guys had uh, like an elevated, if you will, an elevated faith. This wasn't like a through the door faith. This is a through the roof faith. Because a, a through the door faith would be kind of like buy the book and follow the manual. A, a, a logic and a reasoned faith that here's what I do and here's what I do next. And if there's a barrier or an obstacle, well, I guess that's not the way it was supposed to work. And I wonder how many of us would stop at the door. How many of us would pull up and, and turn around how many of us would go like, hey, I guess it's not meant to be, right? But a through the roof kind of faith is like, I'll do whatever it takes. It's, it's a compelling faith. It's a, a lasting faith. It's a faith that says, hey, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going I'm to bust through those barriers. I'm, I'm going to have those conversations. And that's, uh, that's easier said than done. Are we, uh, are yeah, we that putting, kind of friend? We certainly want that kind of friend. Putting people first is very hard. Yeah. Putting people in conversations first. You got that kind of hard. list of uh, at, at what does that look like at Covenant, and so you talk about that process in a, a pathway. But yeah, we're, we're putting people ahead of a lot of things. Other people ahead of a lot of things. It requires a degree of unselfishness to put people ahead of of programs and preferences and property and, and policies and, um, you know, and, and to really go, hey, I'm going to, I want to look out for your needs. The mutuality of that is if I'm doing that for you, I'm going to trust that there are people doing that for me. And that's what it means to enter into family and community. Um, it, it's that way in like a marriage or a relationship, like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put you first, but if we're all mutually entering into that, We've got others who are doing that for us. And ultimately, Jesus is doing that for us, right? Um, another one of those kind of uh, situations of going, not, I'm only going to put people, but I'm going to put conversations, relationships with people. I'm going to put that over conclusions and judgments and opinions. I want to enter into a conversation. There have been those who have thought, hey, you know, Covenant, as it's grown and moving into space, that you start to get, um, you know, kind of uh, um, corporate in nature or institutionalized in nature. I, I, I want to at least let you see behind the, the curtain a little bit. The, the motive for the intentionality of trying to put structures in place because we want to make it accessible and because ultimately we want to dri be driven by a relationship. So as soon as we can help someone like hey, knock on that door and we can open that door or blow open a hole in the roof and say, hey, fill out the form, but the form is not the end, right? The, the relationship is both vertical and horizontal. But if we don't take intention, if we're not intentional about the way we structure things and program things, people fall through the cracks. People are dropped or people never make it past the crowd. And uh, so, I mean, I just want to share a heart in that is that if you're here, you're watching online, and you're here in person, and in, in particular if you're new here, or if you've been here for a while and you feel disconnected, like we really do want to, and we want to work at and strive for uh, in Christ likeness to, to make some access, accessibility and, and desire some relationships so that we can have a conversation with you. And, and uh, a conversation about where to plug in with the group or... Yeah, I mean, we have, we have a structured way of trying to offer that flexibility. And so it's kind of funny is that we have what we call a discipleship pathway at Covenant. 
But on the discipleship pathway, we have put things on purpose that would lead to conversations and more questions and just really deepening relationships. So whether it's uh, core classes, we have core classes at Covenant. Core classes are baptism classes, they're discover, discovering covenant, disciple making, okay? They aren't the pathway themselves. They're just these conversation stopping points that might be the step that you need next. And you've noticed we, we don't call it the um, a you've arrived center, it's the next step center because steps are important. And so instead of having the like, you know, welcome to New York sign when you get off the plane, it is what is the step for you. And you heard uh, Rob said a second ago, but this is a phrase that you know, I'll throw around a lot. We have a crockbot faith in a microwave world. And it's just really true that we have a world that wants to do everything now, have everything fast. And yes, salvation can come to this house today. But the life of growing up in Jesus takes time. And so we think about that as saturating and marinating in God. We think of that as rings of growth around a tree where seasonally, year by year, God is doing something, a step in your life where he's leading you forward. And so the ultimate landing spot for those are going to be the community groups, the long-term groups, but we offer care groups that are kind of more short-term to help you get through a barrier or through a, uh, an addiction or hang-up or hold-up or whatever it might be. And the pathway really belongs to Jesus. That's that life on life. It's about encountering right. Jesus. There's these relationships right. Right. And, um, <clears throat> with people along the way. Yeah, and, and so even thinking about what kind of uh, a friend are you and what kind of a friend do you want? And um, my guess is we all could grow in that area. I'd be the first to say, I, I want to grow in that area. And, and to recognize the, the importance of that. To, in a season, maybe especially as, as we, we've been through, where, where the tendency has, has driven us, not tendency, but maybe the reactionary piece to that, to some isolation and some distance. And part of this renewal is the renewal of those relationships that will shape us and sharpen us as we enter into life together and have conversations, sometimes on some really difficult things, inside and outside. There was a study done, it's like five years old, but 79% of unchurched were open to having religious conversations with a friend who really, they saw as a friend who valued them and valued their faith. And, and, uh, and so our, our ability to take that relationship into relevance and, and on point in mission is to speak intelligently, not through a, a tweet or a, a post, but intelligently in a conversation with someone about some of the issues that are challenging and difficult, but to do that seasoned with God's grace and always in truth, but things around issues of mercy and justice or, or, or sexual or gender roles and identity, uh, things uh, of concern where people are impacted in profound ways by trauma or abuse or mental illness, um, you know, brokenness, because somehow these guys entered into those conversations um, with, with their friend at some point. They had a relationship. Um, we're going to see Jesus kind of turn that on its head a little bit. Um, but ultimately, you know, there are people who need to be lifted into the presence of Jesus and to let Jesus be Jesus. To let Jesus know best and to do what only Jesus can do. And ultimately that leads to this, this value of transformational. Transformational. Uh, we seek inside out change. Real and lasting change. That is a byproduct of the gospel change that alters every aspect of life, right? Messy people, but a mighty God doing miraculous things and bringing about uh, transformation in our lives, grace-produced transformation in our lives. And, and that piece of the story is, is weaved throughout verses 6 through 12, and we see uh, this, this transformation. We think about, like, how did this guy get there? And what did it take for him to get there? And I would just ask, 
where are you and how did you get here? And I know your car, many of you, but how did you, how did you get here like relationally and spiritually? How did you get into relationship? Those of you who have a relationship with Christ and, and my guess is everyone would uh, raise their hand and be able to point to uh, a myriad of situations and circumstances, but in particular people. People who come to mind, great-great-grandparents or uh, a coworker, or a teacher or a pastor or, or a neighbor, but someone who, who, who in a sense like, man, I want to step into your life. And I want to I come alongside you because I'm broken too, but I'm going to come alongside and I want to pick you up. And I just want to bring you into the presence of Jesus Christ. Some things, some people that come to mind, Josh, we don't have a lot of time, but man, just thinking about, like, does some names come to mind, situations come to mind yeah, for you? Yeah, of course, right and that exercise is always helpful. Like, I think of my mom and dad, because I was raised in a household of faith. So Roy and April, you know, they're the ones who instilled faith in me from an early age. And of course, mm-hmm. I had grandparents who were believers, and that was a wonderful gift. There's a man named Reed from my Bible camp that I'll just never forget the way that he taught us about Jesus, but he also cared about us personally. I remember a a moment when I was about 11 or so at Bible camp, we were about to do a skit. I was supposed to be doing like a David and Goliath skit and realized we didn't have this prop and it wasn't going to make sense without the prop. And we were, we were kind of just embarrassed and freaking out. You know, we're like awkward kids. And he runs outside. We hear this clatter. We hear this sawing. We hear this noise. He comes back in. He had taken a piece of wood from somewhere else in the mm. camp and had sawn us a big Goliath sword so that we had the prop we needed. And you know what? The funny thing is, is, is moments like that with a person that then when they teach you about the Proverbs or the parables of Jesus, they talk to you about faith, you end up really listening. And yeah. I did because it was somebody who cared and invested in even the most minuscule right sometimes it's just little things like that little things and i don't know what the expectation of your friend was um i think i know what the expectation of these four friends yeah (laughs) i mean i think they they picked him up they 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 tore open the roof they lowered him Mm -hmm. with the expectation that jesus would do what they had seen him do and that would heal him physically heal him right And, and so there's a little bit of a twist here in this story when we get to the latter part of it like like they were probably going they wanted to hear like get up. They wanted Jesus to speak those words, to touch him, you know, whatever, throw some mud on his eyes and like, hey, get up and walk. But that's not what happens. And so I've got to ask, like in this story, what's harder? Because that's what's going on. And they're asking that, that question, what's harder? And from our perspective, I think it's, it's, it's reverse of what it is from Jesus' perspective. Because it's not hard for us to say, I forgive you. We can offer those words. I mean, if you have kids, you, you force them to offer those words. <laughs> Tell them that you're sorry, right? Um, but we can say, hey, I'm sorry for that. Um, and uh, hopefully we mean that, but we can offer those words. And, and uh, hey, I forgive you for that, right? Um, and we would say what's harder for us is like, like to, to produce healing, right? I'm not saying it, it happens. I've seen it happen. But that, that's a much harder thing. But for Jesus, it's the opposite. For Jesus bringing around healing, like he, he brought all things into, into being. He, he's master over and every word, he has the power to perform those kind of miracles. So it would be nothing for Jesus to say, get up. But for Jesus to say you're forgiven, that's a different deal. That cost Jesus everything. That wasn't just words that he could say. There's, he's anticipating, what am I gonna need to do? And so they're right in saying only God can forgive sins. They were absolutely right. When they said that, with what, that we're right about, this is God. <laughs> this, is, this is God. Jesus is. And 
Anytime we sin, our sin ultimately is against God and only God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, we sang it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing that will bring that kind of forgiveness and cleansing so that we might get up from our paralyzed state, our, our, our state of absolute bankruptcy apart from Jesus Christ and, and be renewed and be redeemed and walk again. That, that's, that's the harder work. That's the true miracle. The change happens from the inside out, the inside out. And no matter what our part in it, we celebrate that. Ultimately, it's the work of Jesus. But man, what an awesome work it is. Yeah, and when you think about transformation of their expectations, uh, they actually end up becoming agents of transformation in Jesus' kingdom of heaven. Because these men, when they leave, are changed by this. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know which of the four friends or the paralyzed man became disciples and Christians in the church, but it's assumed that they or others in the room did. Yeah. And that in our links that go back in the chain of faith to the apostles and Jesus, those men might be, just like my mom and dad, somewhere in the chain that led me to the feet of Jesus. And so they leave this place this day, and I've wondered how, like what happens. Because we leave church, we leave spiritual experiences, we leave worship, we're, we've got our hands up, we're moved by this music and the song. We go home, and what do we do? Turn on the television, watch some football, or whatever it might be, you know, NASCAR in Arkansas. People watch a lot of NASCAR really? in Arkansas. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. They watch some. Do you forget about what happened? Do you forget about the spiritual? You, may, you do the laundry. You get the lunch ready. You do all the things with the kids. They did that too. They go home and they have a house to run. You know, they have jobs to, to show up at the next morning. And you wonder, so was it really that transformational? Yeah. But then you think about that there's probably a moment for some of them. They wake up the next morning and there's just this itch that they can't scratch. You know, they think about what they saw. I've never seen anything like that before. Maybe the next weekend they're thinking, I need to go find that teacher again. I need, to, I need to hear a little bit more from him. I need to see a little bit more because there's something different about this one. Like, like the thing about God forgiving sins, but he really did. So they continue the search. They continue the growth. They keep thinking. They keep learning until somewhere uh, down the line it is what is new in their life. Growth. What has persisted through those weeks that will persist into eternity? Faith. Mm -hmm. And it's now even still transforming us. We read the story, we step into it. We've received it from them. So many ways. It's yeah, throw, still up, throw up verse 12 yeah. for us. Just to kind of wrap up with this. And, and uh, it says that the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out. All right, so we, we see his response to this. Like, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, but the others were stunned. And, and, and so we have this crowd, there are those, the, the, the crowd of those who brought their friend and is peering down, and, and I don't know if they like, oh, man, I'm gonna, my friend just went out the front door now. Um, and, uh, but they're, but they also says they're not only stunned, but they're all amazed and praise God. And I wonder who we are in that crowd. Are we, are, are those maybe stuck in some of our religious head knowledge and the jargon of all that and nice and neat and tidy and, and so we're asking these questions that Jesus already knows the questions we're going to ask, right? And, uh, but man, it's like us coming maybe to a baptism Sunday at Covenant and hearing those stories of transformation and we, we clap and, and, and man, it, I don't know about you, but man, those are awesome experiences to see someone who was lost now found to, to, to see a young person share um, their conversion story if you will and bear witness to that and testify to that and then act upon that in obedience and then what right and then what 
And uh, I, I bet um, at some level, every one of you and everyone in that crowd at least could sit there, I hope, and reflect and go, man, I know someone who's down and out and, and, and laying on a mat. And some of you are sitting here and, and you recognize that in some way, shape, or form and that that's you. That that's you. And what you need ultimately is Jesus. And what we have the privilege and the call and responsibility to do is to be Jesus. And to bring people before the throne into his presence and let Jesus be Jesus. We need that to experience the newness of life that at the beginning of the story, this is like paralyzed man. <laughs> he doesn't have a name, he's just paralyzed man. And you may be, I'm angry man and I'm broken man and I'm what, you know, woman, child. And, and, but that's not your ultimate identity. So this, this is the man who then, uh, paralyzed man becomes a living, walking witness of the, the power of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ. If we place our faith in Jesus, that's us. We get to, to experience the newness of life. We get to take up that mat and to walk. A couple passages that come to mind when we talk about the, the newness of life. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So it is a process. But when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, and the object of that faith is where the power is found, that we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory, one degree of glory to another. And for this comes from the Lord, it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then later in 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says this, this means, this means, and he's pointing back to the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, that he did what it, was required that he, he came, he didn't wait, he came to us, he tore open the veil and tore his way through the roof that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, amen? amen. That the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has then given us, bringing this in full circle, then given us the task of reconciling people to himself. God is making his appeal through us, to us, for us, and through us. I wanna transition us as we come to celebrate that sacrifice and that service. And Josh, thanks for, for the time these past couple of weeks and coming up and sharing. Um, when we come to the Lord's Supper, an opportunity for us to to remember and to celebrate that only by his blood, only by his broken body, only by his shed blood can we hear those words of forgiveness and of wholeness. And so we rejoice in that, that he didn't wait for us, but he used others, circumstances, situations, people to usher us into his presence that we might then have the opportunity to respond to his prior love, to call us by name and for us to respond. This table is open to anyone who has, who has been taken up into Jesus' arms and been renewed and redeemed. If you're here today and you find yourself 
on a mat, paralyzed by sin, and not having received forgiveness of Jesus Christ, what we want to do for you is to allow these elements to pass, and instead what we want to offer you is a conversation. What we want to do is we want to offer you more of Jesus and of his, the freedom that's found in him through his, the gospel that has be, become alive for us. So I invite you to do that. Allow those elements to pass and to consider what it is that Jesus might have for you, what he wants to do in you. But for those of us who have received Jesus by faith, this table is yours. You come not because you're worthy, but because God has offered you a gift, a free gift, a gift of eternal life, a gift of forgiveness of sin, bit by bit by bit, being renewed so that you might stand on your feet in glory with him forever. I want to invite our servers to come forward. As we take these elements, as we participate, let's do so with a somberness and a humility, but also with great joy and thanksgiving. As the uh, elements are, are passed in just a moment, in just a moment, you'll see that there's two cups stacked on top of one another. Please take uh, both of those cups that contain the bread and the juice. Hear these words. Jesus, on the night he betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This is the forgiveness for your sin. I've done all that needs to be done. Take and drink. Let's receive these elements these symbols with gratitude and thanksgiving.